0: The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 120. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Luke with a study on prayer. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We left off most of the way through chapter 10 of Luke, and so we'll pick up the last few verses in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is a section where Jesus is talking about priorities. There is nothing that Martha is doing that is bad. By no means. In fact, she is showing good hospitality, which is something that we are commanded to show, especially in the Old Testament and that's the part of the Bible that Martha knows, and so she is being hospitable. And Mary is just doing nothing. Mary's being lazy as far as she can tell. But what Jesus is saying is as we prioritize things, spending time with Jesus is a high priority. And Mary certainly wouldn't regret later on that she had chosen this. After Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, ascended to heaven. This isn't something where Mary will say, darn, I wish I had helped make the rutabagas like Martha. Jesus tells Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. She's letting things distract her from what is really important, and I think that's a good lesson for us. And then continuing on, talking about spending time with God, is Luke 11, and we get Jesus teaching on prayer. And you may recognize that as being the Lord's Prayer, or at least much of the Lord's Prayer. Depending what church you grew up in, you may also be familiar with it, ending for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And that was a set of verses that doesn't show up in earlier manuscripts, especially from Matthew 6, which is the second version of the Lord's Prayer. Later manuscripts included that, and so that may not have been in the original version. What is the first thing? I want you to look at these verses and think about what is the first thing that Jesus taught them about prayer. What do you think? If you said that we should address God as Father, that's the second thing. The first thing that Jesus taught about prayer is that it was important, and he taught that by example. We see that this whole section starts with, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. If you look back through the chapters that we've done so far, we've glanced over it a little bit, things where Jesus will do some miracle and then he'll get up early the next morning and pray, or he'll go off to a solitary place to pray. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer before the disciples approached him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples, now you teach us how to pray. And so he gives them this prayer. Matthew's version adds some additional context because he says, Don't pray with meaningless repetition. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. There are two ways of interpreting this section. One is that this is a prayer, and two, that this is a template for prayer, that this teaches us something about prayer. And remember, that was what the disciples asked. As a prayer, I think we understand it. It is a prayer, and we can pray it. But I would like to encourage you to think of it, in this case, more as a template. A couple things. One is, as he says, Father, our Father in heaven. He is using a familiar form of this. And this is quite different if we think of the worship of God in the Old Testament, This is a very familiar, this isn't a far-off God who is ready to strike us. This is a God who loves us, and therefore we're addressing him as Father. Father, hallowed be your name, or our Father who art in heaven, in various versions, hallowed be your name. But basically, God, who we're going to call Father, because of the closeness of our relationship, we're praying that your name will be held holy. Obviously that it won't be a swear word, I mean that's wouldn't be holy, but also that people will give it honor, that people will hold it as special because of what they have heard about you, because, I think in part, of what they see of you in us. We have a choice as we pray these words. We can make the name of God more holy or not through our actions. If it weren't for Christians... Christianity would have a better reputation. If it weren't for Christians, Jesus would have a better reputation. Gandhi said, for instance, I have no problem with Jesus, it's those Christians. And so when we pray, your name be holy, we need to do more than just give it lip service. We need to live up to that. We need to make God's name holy through what we do. Your kingdom come, again, your kingdom come, not just in my neighbor, not just in my city, not just in that guy, but your kingdom come through me. Your kingdom come in what I do, in the next decisions that I make, let me be ushering in your kingdom. Kingdom obviously saying that you are in authority over this world, over your church, over me. Let me live in that authority. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. It is okay to pray for the things we need. It's okay to pray for the things that our neighbors, our family, our friends need. It's good, though, to think about this as a template where this started at least with acknowledging who God is and acknowledging what God wants to accomplish first. I know one template that I have used since high school for prayer is ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication, then asking for things. This is a little different than the template of the Lord's Prayer, but another good template. And again, this starts with adoration. Forgive us our sins For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. You may have grown up with a version, something like, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, or forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. This is the first part that is a bit conditional here, or a bit of a promise that this forgiveness... That we claim this forgiveness that we are bold enough to ask for. This is a confession in this particular part. is a confession that we have those things that we have done where we have sinned, where we have literally missed the mark. We didn't aim as high as God would have us do, or we didn't follow through on what God would have us do. Or we didn't do what we knew we should do. Remember, sins of omission as well as commission things we have done or things we have left undone. And so we call at this point in prayer to restore that relationship between us and God and we have to say, forgive me. But in the same way, we allow those who have wronged us to restore their relationship with us by also showing forgiveness because that too is something that God desires. And lead us not into temptation. Now, of course, Many a wag has said, you don't need to lead us into temptation, we know the way. But certainly what it's saying here is, deliver us from temptation, or help us not to find our way into temptation, or allow us a way out, as is promised in 1 Corinthians 10.13, that in all circumstances where we find ourselves tempted, God will provide a way out. So that's the prayer, and then Jesus goes on. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend And he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I... Say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Three different things I see in this. One is obviously an encouragement to be persistent. And there's that story about the friend who won't get out of bed, and at this point it would be a common bed that would be the man, the wife, the children all in one bed, and to get up in the middle of the night, he's going to disturb everybody, the whole household. So he's not going to get up because of friendship, but if you keep pounding on the door long enough, you're going to wake everybody else up anyway, and so he will get up. And so it's saying God isn't like that, but still we are called to be persistent in prayer. And the second thing I see is this promise. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. There's this promise that God answers prayer. Now, there's certainly a lot of Christians who talk about prayer and say sometimes the answer of prayer is not that God changes the circumstances, but that he changes us. And I have certainly seen that in prayer. God can do what God will do, but God will use prayer to change things. Sometimes situations, sometimes us. Either beneficial, both good. And then the third thing I see in here is this thought here that God is generous, that God wants to give good gifts. And talks about fathers. Would you give your son a snake when he asks for fish? Or a scorpion when he asks for an egg? Don't be ridiculous. If you who are evil know how to give gifts. So God who loves us more than a father. Remember how we started that. Father, hallowed be your name. God who loves us wants to give good gifts. Not necessarily what we have in mind. God doesn't necessarily want everyone to win the lottery. God doesn't necessarily want everyone to have a Ferrari. But God wants to give good things. God wants to give, he takes joy in giving good things to his children. And with that, we're going to bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to close. If you have any questions, feel free to leave a comment at com to write me an email at host at com or to catch me on Twitter at twitter.com slash chris2x. And thanks so much for listening. Once in a generation, a podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all. This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher John Driver and comedian Johnny W. for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com.